Hi, and thank you so much for joining me today on The Gospel Lens. The scripture calls us to be sojourners and exiles, and to view this world in the current age as a place where believers don't fully belong. However, we face a wide variety of experiences and circumstances on our path. So we hope this can be an encouragement, an edification, or challenge as we try to take a microscope to events, experiences, and situations in our lives and ask the question, how does my identity in Christ and the gospel determine my perspective and response to life and events on my exile path? Hello again and welcome. I'm speaking today to a very dear friend of mine, uh, Troy Gaiman. Troy was actually a pastor of ours back in Pennsylvania. Uh, he had a, actually a pretty deep impact on my life. God used used his influence to, to help bring us really to where we are as a family, to where we are today. Uh, and since then, actually, he and his family have left Pennsylvania, and they're now ministering in South Africa. So today we're talking about his experience as a missionary through this pandemic, uh, some of the struggles that they've faced in their context, and what believers can take from all of this about our God and how to view him and how to view the circumstance through our identity in Christ and the gospel. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, so uh, I'm here with a good friend of mine, a personal influence, one of the reasons that I am where I am right now, with uh, Troy Gaiman, and Troy is in South Africa right now. Um, so to start off, Troy, can you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing, what your ministry looks like, where you are um, for the past, I guess, year and a half almost? Well, it's great to be talking with you, John. It's good to see you. Um, we are in George, South Africa. We moved here in January of 2019. So we've been here about 16, 17 months now. And we, we have really two primary focuses to our ministry. The first one is church planting. So we are just a little over a year into planting a new church here in our city. And the other aspect of our ministry is providing theological education for South Africans who are interested in training for ministry. We, we are trying to train up a group of local South Africans who can take on the leadership of the church planting ministry that we're involved in. Okay, good. So looking at this circumstance, the situation that we all find ourselves sharing here, uh, for you personally or for your family, this is more of a question I, just, I, I find interesting to see how different people, what kind of things stand out to them. This is one actually that Laura told me I should reword it to make it more clear, but I forgot to do that before I sent it over. So um, let's say six months, however long this whole situation is in our rearview mirror. What do yeah. you think will be the standout, the thing that you remember when you think back, oh yeah, 2020, that, what, what will be the... Uh, the standout aspect of this quarantine time, this COVID-19 experience? I'll tell you, I, I've thought about this several times, and the one thing in particular that strikes me about it is the global nature of it, mm. in the sense that I don't know that there's ever been another experience in my lifetime that the whole world is engaged in and understands what you're experiencing. I mean, I, there's probably few places on the planet right now that have not been touched by what we're all ex experiencing. So um, the fact that we're having this um, global common experience is 
pretty fascinating to me. Um, there's there's no real spiritual truth in that. It's just striking to me that that this is a global phenomenon. But um, the other thing that's that struck me about this is four months ago, five months ago, none of us would have expected to be in the situation that we're in. Yeah. Um, five months ago, six months ago, we were just getting first reports of this thing called coronavirus. And from our perspective here in South Africa, we thought it was something pretty much isolated to just your part of the world and not something that we were going to be facing here. But yeah. uh, very quickly, those things kind of changed. So it, it, drew, it drew my mind back to really the, the passage in James, uh, is it the end of three or end of four, where we find out that we're busy making a bunch of plans, mm. and yet James says, if the Lord wills, you'll do this or that. And so clearly we are not in control. We have plans and we certainly all had things that we thought we were going to be doing at this time and all of those things have been completely wiped out so it's just a a a big reminder to me that ultimately our times are in the lord's hands and we are fully dependent upon his will for our lives and what's going to happen so continuing that you mentioned james and i've heard I know Alex and I have talked about that passage. It's it's come up several times. For example, we have friends that are in the U.S. that have had to change their return plans. You know, at this time, they've at this point they've lost count, and it's hard to think of a passage that more directly speaks to that than than James. But while I think a, a good way to look at that would be, like you said, as a reminder, you know, that we don't know what tomorrow will bring. That we we can make plans, but at the end of the day, we are not the ones that are in control. But for many people, circumstances, even if maybe they do think of those passages, the circumstances still result more in sort of a fluctuation. I would imagine it probably feels like a roller coaster uh, between fear and anger. I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of anxiety, other emotions. And I don't think any of us as humans are immune to those things. But um, what have, have you done with your people or what would you encourage people to do to... I guess this would be the question jumping right to the, the heart of our response to COVID-19 mm. to, to mm. sort of bring some, bring peace to that roller coaster of emotion mm. and return to a Christ-centered focus rather than all those other things that sort of pull on our focus. Yeah. So our situation here, we um, started to feel the initial effects of COVID-19 um, early March, and our group had been meeting um, in our home for the past year, and through just the Lord's working, we've been able to purchase a a facility in town, and so March 1st was our first Sunday together in our new facility, and then it was the next Sunday after that that um, we really started to feel some of the initial impacts of the COVID-19 crisis. And within two weeks, we were on lockdown. So on the, the 8th of March, as, as I started to sense 
some increasing anxieties amongst our people. Uh, they sensed something was happening. I, I, I was halfway tempted. I, I were, we were in a study in the book of Acts and um, I, I was tempted to, to take a break from that and I chose not to. We just continued on our study, but I took about five to seven minutes in our service and just directed uh, the thoughts of our folks to Psalm 46. Because for me, in, in my own life, that psalm in particular has been a, a great encouragement, helped me through some very difficult times. So, um, you know, in the beginning of the psalm, it just says, um, the Lord is a refuge. He's our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So he's there, he's near. Then the psalmist says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains fall into the same catastrophic worldwide turmoil, we don't need to be afraid. And then obviously the, the most famous verse of that psalm is verse 10, be still, know that I am God, I will be exalted. And so really, it was just my heart at that moment to direct our folks toward the, the sovereign sovereignty of God in the midst of chaos that enables us to not have to be afraid when so much around us is suggesting that we should be afraid. So that's really, that was kind of the initial focus of, of our um, group was Psalm 46. The Lord's a refuge. We don't need to be afraid. Be still. Know that he is God. And I, I, Thinking of that psalm, I've always appreciated. You have, like you said, these descriptions of these catastrophic problems. And then yeah. there's, he goes from be still, but it's not just be still and, and trust me, it's be still and know something about me that I will be exalted. Yeah. And I've always thought of it, you know, no one is exalted when they have lost control. That, yeah. that reminds us that there is still control there. Yeah. We might not always easily see it. It might be hard to recognize, but God says, no, I will be exalted. I am still in control of this. And yeah. um, I've, I've found that very comforting. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier when we, however long it takes, when this is all sort of in our rearview mirror, what would, what would you want uh, your, your family or for your people, uh, for those around mm -hmm. you, from a theological perspective, what would you want them to walk away from remembering or, or having had their thinking changed about something or learning something new about God through all of this? Uh, what would you want them to walk away from this? Yeah. Yeah, I would say one of the things that was a, was a game changer for me personally, going back to around 2006, 2007, we were going through some very difficult times as a family with my son's health. Um, the, the one truth that God really sunk down deeply into my heart was the issue of his sovereignty and, and having to wrestle with what that means um, and how that is applied to all circumstances of my life, good, bad, otherwise. And so as we've come to this current crisis, that's one of the primary theological truths that my heart has been drawn back to again. Uh, we did a, a short study on Habakkuk, and I kind of focused on that issue as it comes up in, in the book of Habakkuk. And I really 
really want our people to embrace the fact that um, God is not only in control of everything, but he rules over everything, which means he rules over the coronavirus as well. Um, this is not anything that has taken him by surprise. And, and because he rules over it, he has specific purposes that he's trying to accomplish in, in what he's allowing at this time. And man, I think if, if, if our folks, your folks could grasp this truth of God's sovereign control and rule over all things. It, to me, that was a game changer to really embrace that, to believe that, and to think through the implications of that for my life personally, not just globally, but just personally in my own life, that there's nothing that happens to me outside of his care and control. That's huge. And so I've been trying to bring that up as often as I can through our teaching and preaching times to remind our people that that's true in this circumstance and in all circumstances that they face. It's good. In January, before all this started, actually, we had taken a break. I think I mentioned we were doing a study in Romans and we were going to take a, a three week break from that. And I decided I wanted to do something from the Old Testament. And I actually picked Habakkuk because yeah. to my knowledge, I don't remember ever doing an in-depth study on it. It's one of those flyover books um right right and i i got one weekend and then they they put all the the restrictions on mm. and i just jumped straight to chapter three and i think the end of the the end of habakkuk again i don't remember ever doing a study on it but it is it was yeah. incredibly encouraging seeing yeah. a man who can yeah. so blatantly brazenly i guess would be the word question god and yet at the end he comes to the conclusion of just absolute trust even when he didn't get any answers yeah. and he didn't get the answers he was looking yeah. for. He, but he comes back yeah. to, I will absolutely trust that it's very, yeah. very encouraging. And, and I think, I think John, to that, to that point, that really is, that really becomes the response mm. when we embrace the truth that, that God is sovereign, that he rules and he's in control. That's the only natural response, right? That yeah. I can, I can trust him. Um, because that is true about him. So yeah, th that's a really uh, kind of the opposite side of the same coin, sovereignty and trust. They go, they go hand in hand. They're very intimately tied. And you most likely will have a very difficult time trusting God if you don't believe that he is sovereign. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's good. And it does make it Hard, I think one of the hardest things, because most people, we give a lot of lip service to sovereignty normally. We're really good at that. Yeah, but um, yeah. something like this, when so many of the things that we put our faith in, while we're talking about God's sovereignty, we still put our faith in a lot of different things that we look yeah. to for some semblance of control. And then something yeah. like COVID-19 comes along and just wipes it all out, yeah. even even yeah. if it's just temporarily or maybe not temporarily, but it, it brings those structures to a halt. Right. And suddenly we're faced with, we're faced with the fact that so often in scripture, I, I'm usually struck by this, that when the sovereignty of God is discussed, it's not sovereignty that comes with answers. It's not sovereignty yeah. that includes an explanation packaged behind. Like, if you trust me, I will answer your questions. It's sovereignty that says, yeah trust me, and there aren't any answers. Uh, we yeah. even earlier talking about in Ecclesiastes, he doesn't give a lot of answers in that book yeah. Uh, yeah. to the, the problems that he brings up. Um, but we're still, that's where I think the sovereignty discussion gets hard, is when you're asked to trust, even when you don't 
and God never explains himself. Yeah. Or sometimes, sometimes he does explain himself like he did in Habakkuk, and mm -hmm. Habakkuk didn't like the answer, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, Habakkuk, I am going to take care of the wickedness that you see among your people, so I'm sending you the Babylonians. They're going to take care of it. And he didn't like the answer, so you're right. It's, sometimes there's no answer, and sometimes there's an answer that we don't particularly care for. And that then becomes another big challenge to trust that, that God really knows what he's doing. <laughs> so, Not to make light of the situation, but I've seen a lot of people throw around the idea that the cure being worse than the disease. I think yeah, Habakkuk yeah. would probably um, <laughs> sympathize yeah. with that, with that, uh, that yeah, emotion a lot. Thinking about your, where you're at, um, your, mm -hmm. your specific context. What are some of the, what would you say are some of the unique challenges that this situation presents in your context? Obviously, every, every country has had different experiences in every community, every church. Mm -hmm. For you specifically with your group, the makeup of your group, what have been some of the specific challenges? How has it affected your work? And, and from that, how can people pray through this? Yeah, so we have some unique situations here um, with regard to the uh, what I might call the economic demographics of our group, we have uh, what most people would look at as as thirty percent of the population being fairly middle class affluent, mm -hmm. and then about seventy percent of the population around us is what we would probably say economically poor or in the poverty range. So. We have a mixture of people in our group, and we are trying to blend. Um, it, it's it's multi-ethnic, yeah. in addition to being um, very diverse um, economically, and so we're trying to blend um, multi-ethnic group of people together into one body, which has been a challenge. Um, so that's certainly something that that people could pray about for us that there would be real unity around the gospel and people would begin to understand how the gospel breaks down some of these artificial barriers. But the other challenge that we've had through the current situation is obviously we can't meet together and we have a, a good number of people in our group who don't have the economic resources to even have um, internet service at their home, uh, data on their phone. So staying connected with people electronically, face-to-face uh, -face has been difficult. We can make phone calls, and most people have the ability to at least take a phone call. But getting to see people face-to-face, -face, even electronically, has been a challenge. So there's there's probably 50% uh, of our group, maybe even a little higher, that we haven't seen now in, in any way, shape, or form for seven weeks. And, and obviously, when ministry is about personal contact and face-to-face and -face interaction, that presents a lot of challenges for us. So yeah. um, we, we really need wisdom to know how to best connect, stay connected with people in our group who don't have the, the resources um, to be able to stay connected electronically during this time. I would say those are our two biggest challenges, the blending of the, the ethnic diversity and the current crisis of not everybody having the, the resources they need to stay connected 
electronically. Have you seen any uh, effect as far as connections back to the U.S.? I, I know obviously the U.S. Has, has had their own unique response and mm. response from people in general. So mm. whether it be mm. communication or communication from churches, supporting churches, things like that, how has this affected those relationships or has it? Yeah, I don't, at this point, I don't sense um, any significant changes from our interaction levels in the states we're hearing from from folks back there like we were prior to the the whole crisis so um we haven't really seen a big impact on our relationship to our supporting churches back in the states it's, it's still been pretty pretty good so far much of this maybe you've already i know you've already probably touched on what you might mm -hmm. answer to this question but uh your your group aside, what has God been doing in you and or your family um, mm -hmm. through this? Whether I know you have your families right now kind of divided, yeah. U.S. and yeah. South Africa. Yeah. No, I I would say um, one passage in particular that I've been trying to work through and just meditate on, read, reread, focus my attention on is, is Romans 8 in particular. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot of really important and significant truth throughout the entire chapter, but, but, um, just, just getting to the end of the, of the passage and these kind of rhetorical questions that Paul is asking, um, not, not not even so much rhetorical as he asks the question that provides an answer that yeah. is a great great encouragement so um for instance what shall we say then to these things if god is for us who can be against us mm. um and and this verse in particular he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things it's just such a such an encouraging reminder we couldn't ask god to give us anything more precious than his own son and if he was willing to do that um how much more than is he willing to to give us graciously the things that we need at any point but certainly in a, in a crisis like this um then, then the other question that I think has been a, a, a tremendous encouragement to me personally, just to reflect on, is who will separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? Um, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then that, that great assertion at the end, I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor any... Um, Angels, powers, uh, rulers, uh, height, depth, anything in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And yeah, I mean, that's just something that I'm, I'm trying to come back to repeatedly as, as an anchor to remember these, these simple truths that, again, intellectually, I've, I've known and heard for most of my life, but to meditate on them in a certain situation like this when quite frankly there's been a lot of as you said earlier a lot of roller coaster emotions a lot of ups and downs a lot of um 
disappointments to work through. Like we, like I mentioned earlier, we were just beginning to meet together in a new facility and we really sensed some enthusiasm and momentum starting to build after being here for a year and that got shut down. And then you mentioned that we have family in the States and my wife and I and our youngest son are here and we were anticipating having an opportunity to see the rest of our family um, and, and having to deal with that disappointment. So you have these ups and downs emotionally. So you need anchor truths that you can rest on. And certainly for me, the end of Romans 8 has probably been one of the, the most significant. Yeah. I know I, I, I'm encouraged earlier in that chapter as well when he talks about creation, because right now we're seeing an aspect of creation that reminds us of how broken this world is. Yeah, you're right. And looking to that for hope that one day this really will be in this this whole type of situation will really be in our rear view mirror. Yeah, yeah. Once again, my guest today was Troy Gaiman, ministering with his family in South Africa. You can learn more about their ministry and see updates and more specific ways to pray for them at southafricanministries.org. I hope this is a reminder that for believers around the world, in different places, contexts, experiences, and circumstances, we all have a mandate, a need to view those circumstances and experiences through the lens of the gospel. So pray for fellow believers as we look at our lives through the unchangeable truth of who we are in Christ, in the gospel, and in the unchanging word of God. 